It's the end of the world as we know it. Well, hello, Nate. Well, hello. Hey, you were you were recently at my house. Didn't think about mentioning this until right this moment. I was. I was there. <laughs> you were. You were, and uh, you stayed there, and we um, we d- had a dance off, and that was interesting. Yep, and we played a little Smash Brothers on Nintendo That's Switch. Right. That's right. And so, let me get this straight: Have you had you had never played it on Nintendo Switch before? Is that accurate? That is correct. You, you were surprisingly good for never having played it. I was. Well, thank you. I was quite taken aback. I think if you play enough Nintendo games, I think mm. they make it so that they reward you for having uh, experienced uh, uh, an inordinate amount of <laughs> Nintendo 64 hours hours, yeah, hours spent. But listen, we're not here to talk about Nintendo, Nate. No, we're not. No, we're here to talk about a movie. Correct, because this podcast is called... That was supposed to be a handoff. Uh, Hold on like- a second. Uh, <laughs> because this podcast is called... Movies on the Side. Dun, 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 dun. Why do you always do the ESPN thing? I don't because I love sports, and then whenever oh, I think something sports epic, sports ball. I know sports ball. Anyway, but but even before we get to the movie, which today's movie is an interesting one, mm. I want to ask our listeners. Listener, I'm, we're breaking the fourth wall here. I'm talking directly to you. Yes, you there in the car. No, no, not you. You. Yeah, no, no, not you. Forget you. No, the, all the others. We have an episode of our show. That has like a 4x download number that we cannot explain. Me Before You, the movie with Amelia Clark, has just like uh, crazy numbers compared to some of the other episodes. Mission Impossible also has high numbers, but I imagine that's because of our large Scientology segment of listeners. <laughs> so <laughs> we cater to on a weekly basis. Yeah, so, so I think I understand why uh, that one's like that. But Me Before You, Listeners, did you absolutely love that episode? Was it the movie itself? Did we do something excellent in that episode? Did we <laughs> catch lightning? Yeah, is it that you all just want to hear about romantic movie comedy tragedies? Uh, or, or do you just love Amelia Clark so much that uh, everyone listens to that episode? We want to know, Maybe listeners. we just popped up on like some like Reddit. Maybe some Reddit thread. Maybe. If, we just, if, like... Listen, Amelia Clark, if you're listening... And you shared this somewhere that we have not seen. Reach out. Let us know. But listeners, for real. Perfect. Social media us. We don't know. We don't know why. No, we don't know. So it's a great mystery. So social media us at Movies on the Side somewhere. We have a Facebook page now, so you can go like that and comment there. But uh, yeah, let us know. Podcast at MoviesOnTheSide.com. Send a carrier pigeon. Doesn't matter. <laughs> Just let us know. Uh, what you love so much about that episode, So, because we would like to do more of it, because we care about you listeners. Agreed. Well, we're here to talk about a movie, Crazy Rich Asians. No, you got yes, no, no. <laughs> sir. No, I have, nothing, I have nothing to add. I'm so excited to talk about this movie. The only context I had was that in the cultural zeitgeist, as you say, this was a thing for a minute. Like This movie exploded onto the scene in a way that like... I don't often see movies where you don't expect them to be big hits, and then all of a sudden, I, I guess the closest thing to it from last year was Greatest Showman, right? Where it's just like you talked about it, you said, "Oh, you have to go see it." You know, it's you know, this is a great movie, but it didn't like blast onto the scene. It was a kind of a, you know, a slow burn. Yeah, and I guess I did not hear about it from many 
like people personally. Like it wasn't like word of mouth from my friends or family, but I know mm-hmm. on the Twitters where I frequent, mm-hmm. it was it was kind of all over the place for a while. I and again, it was a a cultural phenomenon, maybe. Yeah, a la, absolutely. A la Black Panther was um, for culture. So was this, and so I was I was curious to see it. I was glad you suggested it. I had not seen it until I watched it for this podcast. Well. I have a, a a different kind of background to it because I heard about it. I heard people who really liked it. Uh, and before I had a chance to go see it, uh, my wife and I went on a road trip and we downloaded the audio book for the the book that this uh, movie is based on. So I have uh, also, it's not often, but I've also listened to the book, Crazy Rich Asians. Well, that would be a very interesting perspective. I would love to hear right. as we go through it. Uh, well, first of all, Rotten Tomatoes. Rotten Tomatoes score is yes. ni- 91 critic score. Pretty high. Interestingly, though, only 78% audience satisfaction. And mm-hmm. e- even when we announced that we were doing this movie on social media, there were, there were already a couple of haters. <laughs> like, ugh. <laughs> so, right. So that was interesting uh, to see. But, you know, this is at... The base level, this is a Cinderella story. Correct. A literary Cinderella story where the main character, Rachel Chu, is dating Nick Young, who she does not know is crazy rich and basically comes from this incredible wealthy family and basically like royalty over there. Right. And so we follow her navigating that family dynamic and, and all that kind of stuff. I'd love to start at the start, that opening scene where Eleanor Young the mom, we, we're in the past first for this very first scene where she walks in the hotel and says that she has reserved the, uh, whatever, the master suite. Right. And because, I assume because she's Asian, these uh, hotel staff, which is in England, uh, London, I believe, they don't give her the time of day. They said it's all full, yada, yada. And then she makes a call and come to find out her family has actually bought the hotel. I'm Mrs. Eleanor Young. My family and I would like to be shown to our suite. We've had a long flight. We're fully booked, madam. You must have made a mistake. I'm sure you and your lovely family can find other accommodation. May I suggest you explore Chinatown? I love that whole first scene. I thought it was very, yes. it was very fun, very witty, and uh, set up the movie nicely, I think. Absolutely. And that is how the book started as well. A great start of a book and a movie. I love the whole like, yeah, you you're showing your discrimination, right. and and turns out we like become your boss and like can fire you. I think that's always a rewarding movie trope. Yes, yes, I'll take that trope all day. Uh, I do want to mention the kid making the mud circle when they first walked in the hotel. <laughs> I was definitely cringing <laughs> as, as he did it. As a parent, uh, you think to yourself like, oh man, yeah, yeah, that was that was crazy. But uh, and then we fast forward, so now. Um, Nick Young has grown up, and it is, he is supposed to take over the family business. And he was supposed to come back to Singapore, I believe. Yes. But he spent an extra year in the States because he started dating Rachel Chu, an NYU economics professor specializing in game theory. And I love the first scene uh, where Rachel Chu is like gambling or like playing poker or whatever with a student and uh, totally outwits him. Uh, that right. was so cool. Very cool. In a lecture, you know, I think to myself, like, does that happen? Does that happen in universities, or is that just like a really cool movie thing? I feel like I see it a lot. A professor really shows up a student and like teaches them something 
crazy cool. Maybe it does in those giant circular lecture halls. <laughs> I hope so. I mean, there's so this like the Paul Giamatti scene, the core, you know, all the great movies. Uh, they have that lecture hall scene. So, so he is he is grown up, and they are they are dating, um, but she does not know that his family, as we saw in the in the earlier scene, is super 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 rich. But they're on this date, so they're on a date, and um, someone recognizes him. And it begins this texting animation sequence. Yes. Which I was totally... Now, I do know, and only because I follow technology really closely, that like messaging and the super colorful, emoji-laden like style of communication, like that that is an Asian like thing. And so that whole thing with the crazy colors and animations... It, w- it was a little jarring, but I totally get it, and so I appreciated it for what it was. I thought I I think this movie does a great job at again we this is we always have to like pause for a second and go we are two white guys <laughs> yes. American white guys yes. and as far as like I didn't know much about Singapore before I read the book and even then I was like man my lack of knowledge about Singapore and my lack of knowledge about you know most like Chinese culture and Asian Americans right. is low yes so. But I loved the visuals in this movie. I thought the I thought the colors like it just had a fun kind of a fun kind of poppy start. Yes, that I think carried through the whole movie in a way that just like it felt refreshing to me. And whenever whenever they changed location and that title popped up with the crazy font, <laughs> yes, I I watched this with my wife and she was like, "What's with that font?" And I was like, <laughs> "I mean, you know, never mind." <laughs> That's exactly, I think, what I said. Uh, I love how once that texting sequence starts and uh, the the Bible study class with Eleanor Young is happening, and these ladies are all, like, very much gossiping. Yes. And, and then they read the verse that says, keep your mind on things above, and immediately go back to gossiping. <laughs> was, yes. That was, a yes. Nice, that was a nice touch. So they go, they fly to Singapore, uh, Nick Young and Rachel Chu. They get the first class. When she first realizes that he's rich is because they go to, like, the private room suite, uh, the kind of suite that you usually travel in uh, on your chalk arting adventures. You know, you got that. Oh man, <laughs> that king bed uh, airplane suite in first class. That is something. Okay, I pause here for just a second. Let's talk about air travel for just <laughs> just yeah. a second here. You have my full attention. That setup. Yes. Like I could, I could fly every other. Like if that's what flight would be like, oh, which I'm word. sure for many it. it is for an upper echelon of people you know like put your feet up have a drink when you come on i was in first class one time really when i flew with my wife to italy i believe oh man uh and i was that guy who was taking a picture of my legs extended in front of me <laughs> yes yeah be like send to my family and be like look look everyone but like this is a whole whole other level yes. of luxury that like have you ever flown first class i'm sort of everywhere on this because just because i'm so excited about no no i love i love talking about air travel for all the flights that i've taken i have never traveled first class i walk past the first class chairs every flight as they spit on my shoes and i look longingly at the (laughs) before they close that curtain and say get in the back that's exactly right you order a drink before the commoners board I can't like talk. I can't talk about man I like I have a, a gin and tonic before we even <laughs> reach the air it's fantastic I 
I want to uh, bring this up too. I saw a tweet recently about uh, United was touting all the companies that fly with them. And they said Apple purchases 50 business class tickets a day from California to China, just every day. 50 business class seats a day from California to China. Man, I believe it. Yeah, I, I believe it. But it is one of my hopes that one day that I will fly in one of those suites for $30,000 or whatever there, it is. But I am a firm believer that a flight that lasts more than eight hours, if you can mm-hmm. get something with a reclining seat, yes, that changes that flight from sort of a nightmare marathon of like... <laughs> legs falling asleep and you're trying to like figure out you know that l- those little wings on the back of your yeah. headrest uh, can i like useless can i like use the back of my head to kind yeah. of like keep it up if i if i'm going to be very honest here on this movies podcast yes long long international flights in my eyes are the perfect time to watch about six movies in a row <laughs> can't do anything else there's part of me that goes like yeah i could sleep but I also have all these movies that, I mean, I love watching movies. That's why we do this podcast. That's right. If we didn't enjoy watching movies, this would not be fun for us, but. (laughs) No, yeah, it is. Indeed. Yeah. So anyway, and she finds out he's rich in that scene. And we get to Singapore and they're driving around and we see these beautiful shots of Singapore. So I watch movies with captions, Nate. I don't know if we've ever talked about this. Because you have children and you can't have the volume too high? Pretty much. Usually. If I could turn it up to the you know, volume where I could actually hear every word, I might not. Well, this goes back to your earwax issue. No, uh, no, no, no. Wait a minute. The Roach, no. uh, the no, Roach no, episode. Yeah. There's, a, there's a big difference. There's earwax, and then there's the trauma of having a roach <laughs> in your ear. But anyway, because I had captions on, when they're driving around Singapore, when they get there, there's music playing. And the caption said this. I wrote it down. Asian big band music. That's what the caption said. <laughs> Okay. One, I did not know that was a thing. I did not know that was a thing. Uh, and two, I enjoyed it. And every other time I heard that music throughout the movie, I was down. I was with it. Uh, I thought that was interesting. <laughs> Fun soundtrack. Yes. So we also get introduced during this time to Nick Young's, this is a little confusing, but I believe it's his cousin, the Astrid, her and her husband. I thought that was a very interesting scene where she walks in with all these shopping bags. And her maids like know just what to do to hide everything. You kind of see this dynamic while they talk where he is the commoner and she is the rich one and he does not feel right. good about that. And she gives him the watch for his first day of his startup or whatever. And I, I was like, you kind of get the foreshadowing of this is going to be a strained thing. Exactly. She has to hide all of her purchases, her dresses and things. What did you think about uh, Paik Lin? the college friend of Rachel Shu and, and that those scenes. You know, I bet if you told her you'd leave Nick for like a million dollars, she would write that check. They do that around here. She looked at me like I was nothing. Like a $10 million check. I, I feel like she would do that. Played by Aquafina, who is in Ocean's 8, another movie That's that right. we have uh, looked at too. Yes. I thought she was great, and I thought she sounded a lot like Miley Cyrus. Now, yeah. I think her character verges on the too much for me. Yeah, yeah. But just when I was about sick of her, her scene would end. Right. <laughs> and then it would kind of go back to the kind of these elegant, elegant, well-spoken characters. And then we kind of yeah, go I back to her. And I think the combination of her with Ken Jong 
her, who plays her dad. Yeah. I find him hilarious, so I was fine with both of them. What did you think? I thought that initial scene, like that dinner scene, it was it was a little uncomfortable. Like I understand what was happening, but it felt too too much too much for me. Got it. In that one scene, I did. I pick Lynn. There were scenes where I thought she was funny, like when they're driving up to his house for the first time, and like she, like the guards are looking in the window and. <laughs> she has some funny lines there. You know, it's 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 funny. Yeah. It's funny. But uh, at, at times a little too much. I thought her dad was kind of insufferable. Like, I, I did. You weren't a Ken Jeong fan in this. Oh, no, no. I think okay. his humor was, was a little crude, uh, especially for how elegant so much other stuff of the movie is. And maybe that's the point. But. Yeah. Uh, I really I think, know. yeah, he was supposed to represent the kind of, like, you got rich, but doesn't mean that, like, you're classy. Yeah. That makes sense. It was it's a gaudy uh richness. Right, right. Exactly. And he's he says I'm like, eat all your chicken nuggets. And I was like, all right, that's that's kind of funny. <laughs> but right. anyway. And so we we deal with this push and pull. We get to the uh so there's a wedding going on. Who's getting married? That is uh Colin Co. Colin Koo, right. which is uh Nick's best friend well, growing right. up. That's right. And then Araminta, right. who is the who they met and had that like uh eaten some street food. That's on right. their first like double date, but like apparently they're also a huge deal in right. Singapore as well. Which I did love that street food scene and like Rachel Shu being introduced to all that made me very hungry. Yeah, <laughs> but I loved that whole scene and and the whole like communal eating of all the stuff on the table. Like that was really nice. I thought that was cool. Right. So we're at this the party, the pre wedding party where Rachel Shu is meeting Nick's whole family, and we get the obvious vibe from. Nick's mother, Eleanor. Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> Hold on a sec. Yes. Yeah, she does not like Rachel. The best, the best. The she Eleanor, I think, is the best. She is the lady who played in Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon. Just a little callback to an old, old kung fu movie. Mm. But Michelle, who plays Eleanor, her um kind of glaring judgmental eyes at Rachel is fantastic like she is the the antagonist yes she's perfect in my in my mind i think she her and rachel the their scenes together i think are some of the best of the movie i agree she kills it she is 100 percent believable and like her disdain and distaste for rachel is palpable and in every look every look she gives her every time she speaks to her (gasps) even that first meeting in the kitchen and just the the talking back and forth and how Rachel talks about her mom let her pursue her passions or whatever and Eleanor's like yeah we don't do passions here <laughs> we, right like i you know it's all responsibility and everything I was like wow okay that was doesn't she say at some sort port, like some point in time like you will never be enough for my son like but having been through it all i know this much you will never be enough she did not hold back. But yeah, she was ruthless. It was intense. So after that party scene where, you know, we see Rachel struggling to meet everyone and we know how Eleanor feels clearly. Right. We then go to the bachelor party, bachelorette parties. <laughs> Put on by Bernard. <laughs> Which the, the, the male, the bachelor party. Yes. I don't know why. I don't know why I had to say the male bachelor party. The, the bachelor party. <laughs> The bachelor party, yes. Is it this shipping container party, it's like 
gaudy. It's again, it's that yeah. it's that gaudy richness. Yeah, it's like oh my word! Like they're flying in helicopters to this shipping container. It's it's pretty funny, but we also Man. move away quickly from that. But the bachelorette party is where the action happens. We see how all the other ladies feel about Rachel and the previous girlfriend of Nick, who is like the family's lawyer now. Basically, tells her you're not going to be a part of this family. And the dead fish in the bed. And yeah, and didn't like, and they wrote in maybe blood on the mirror or lipstick or something. Yep, something like that. It was intense. It was intense. You know, it's also I know you haven't seen The Godfather. It hard, the horse head. The horse head. <laughs> yeah, it's very clearly the horse head. But then uh, Rachel and Astrid have their scene on the beach where they, you know, confide in each other and all that. And uh, that's a nice moment. I thought that that whole like duck out of water. Wait. Fish, 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 out, of fish out of water. Yeah. Yeah. Duck, <laughs> the duck, duck could be out of water. Could be no out problem. of water, could be in the water as well. But yes, that fish out of water part, I I really like it. I can't think of like even all the other movies, like other than maybe like a pretty women uh right. sort of setup right. that you're like hated and you know, people think you're a gold digger sort of thing, I think is yeah, it's yeah. a fun again this movie's filled with like cinderella-esque fish out of water movie tropes right that it doesn't try to be anything more than than these tropes right but it feels like i haven't seen movies that just go like hey you like chicken nuggets and mashed potatoes uh here it is in movie form right but they do they do it like that's all we're trying to do they do it well like it's it's not like yeah. you know they, they did all the tropes well and I think the the cultural nuances they brought into the interactions were worthwhile. I think for someone who doesn't maybe understand or know much about Asian culture, you know the tropes, and so you can see the nuance in the tropes of a different culture. Yes, yes, you, yeah, you, you said that perfectly. It is really like they just put it in a different framework, and I think right, uh, it just feels new and different because I've never seen it in this particular. Right, in this way, yeah. Culture, right. I want to talk about the dumpling scene where they're they're making these dumplings. The grandma, Ama, comes. It is so clear, however hard Eleanor might be, (laughs) Ama is even more ruthless. (laughs) Yes. Where she was kind to Rachel, said she had a lucky nose, but Ama to her own daughter, Eleanor, she's like, hey, you're still doing these dumplings wrong. Like, you're still doing it wrong after all these years. And you start to see, like, oh, Eleanor might have been, like, basically living a life of not living up, like, never being satisfying Ama. Right. She was never good enough. Just just right. like she told Rachel she's never good enough, she is never good enough. And that's, it's deep. Hurt people hurt people. Mm, that's right. Deep. So we go to the wedding scene. A couple things here. On the way to the wedding, Astrid and her husband finally get in the fight where she brings up the affair. I know you're having an affair. Let's just get through the wedding and we'll deal with it after. I don't want to make a scene. You find out I'm having an affair with another woman and you're worried about making a scene. You'd rather I scream and carry on? Yes. Honestly, I wish you would. It was sad. And um, I don't know, what did you think about that scene in the car? The... It's tough. Because, and I think they, they did it in a way that I don't often see it, where she was kind of like, you know, sort of just saying like, yeah, this is an obstacle, like we just need to get past this and really like we can do it. And it's almost like 
he was, you know, the affair was a bit of a cry for help from him of like, like, are, do you, are you, are you even care enough to like be super mad at me sort of thing? And I thought that whole dynamic was an interesting take and kind of that, like, she was more about like, all right, how do we make this work? And more, uh, she didn't let herself feel it emotionally. And I think that was, while he wanted to have like a knockdown drag out fight. Right. And he, and he says the line of like, you know, I can, even my affair pales in comparison, the bigness of your family, basically. I think he's trying to apply. So that was, yeah, that was interesting. That was interesting scene. And then later we see he thinks he's moving out of the apartment. But she says, no, you stay. You've earned it. I will leave. That was tough. That was a tough it's, relationship. Yeah, it's a sad side plot. Uh, and it kind of, it's, so like the main story is the like candy coating like Cinderella story. But like this side story shows like the flip of the coin where like it's not working out for everyone. And it's not just right. about, you know, because a lot of the Cinderella stories is like, oh, once you have the glitz and the glamour and once you have the money and once you have right. all like the beautiful dresses, yeah. then you'll be happy. And like, this part of the movie shows like, nope. Right. Right. Exactly. So the other thing about the wedding scene, the actual ceremony, when the water starts coming down the aisle, incredible. <laughs> I have, I have questions about this. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Do you think, I mean, beautiful, but I couldn't help but laugh when she's wading through this water. It is a lot deeper water than I, yeah. at first I saw the water there. I was like, oh, I get it. It's going to be like up to her ankle sort of thing. This feel like this is thigh deep, isn't it? No, it's not that deep. I don't think it is. Hold on a second. I'm looking at a picture right now. <laughs> I thought it was just like ankle deep. Oh, uh, okay. Yeah, 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 yeah. Maybe it is. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> thigh, thigh deep water <laughs> in a wedding dress just would be something to be trudging through think. it. Very, very interesting. Uh, I will say critically, I don't like the little the little light butterflies that people hold. I wish uh, they seemed a little chintzy and I thought mm. the, so I'm just saying. I do like when, uh, so there's like that queen has a whole row reserved to herself. Not even Eleanor Young can sit with her, but Rachel Chu, having read this, you know, study that the microloan queen put out, you know, uses her knowledge of game theory. Princess Intan, Rachel Chu, I read your great article about microloans in the Asian Economics Journal. I received so much criticism about that article. Well, you know what? I think your critics missed the point. Her knowledge of game theory comes into play a lot more than you would think. Because it's that scenario yes. and the ma- mahjong. Yes, which, since you just mentioned it, let me just say, number one, I so wish I knew how to play mahjong. Because it looks incredible. I just want to know how to play it. And I feel like that scene would have meant so much more. <laughs> like, yes. Like they make it obvious. Like apparently Rachel won, but I was like, man, I wish I knew what was going on here. And also this looks like amazing to play. Well, okay. But I'm not sure if she did, if Rachel did win. Yeah, maybe she did. Because sure. I was reading in the trivia, the eight bamboo Rachel discarded to give Eleanor the winning Mahjong hand was also a winning tile for Rachel. This was why Eleanor looked shocked when Rachel had turned over her hand. So maybe what it was was Rachel Rachel knew she could have won. Oh, okay. But okay. she was the one who caused Eleanor to win. And gotcha. I think that was that's what makes Rachel's speech make a lot of sense because Rachel's basically saying like, 
I'm going to walk away from your son, but you will always live with the knowledge that the only reason your son is with anyone other than me is because I chose it. So I just wanted you to know that one day when he marries another lucky girl who is enough for you and you're playing with your grandkids while the tanhuas are blooming and the birds are chirping, that it was because of me. Just like how you have me to think that you won this game because I gave you the title that yes. you needed to win. That's good. And I love that whole speech is, is really good. She, she kills it in that, in that scene. She, so she leaves with her mom and Nick chases her and he, propo- he proposes on the airplane and it's a nice, it's a nice scene. The, it feels like a proposal that's a bit like, just from a wor- real world perspective, proposing to someone in the midst of like, hey, please don't leave, <laughs> please don't leave right. me, let's get married. True. Not true. the, not the uh, firmest of footings to start true. upon, but I guess romantic in a movie sense. I will say once, once they do finally decide to get married, there's the final scene on that rooftop party and Eleanor catches Rachel's eye and they kind of look at each other. Man, Eleanor's gaze looks ominous. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and for me, for me, having just gotten engaged to her son, I'm like, you know what? I might have to have a second thought because <laughs> she is staring me down hard. You right. know, like, I, I don't know. But I guess that she, so Eleanor did give her emerald ring to her son in order to propose. Yeah, kind of a begrudging respect. Uh, and remember, this movie <laughs> leads this movie leads into Crazy Rich Asians 2, which has a different title. Okay. So the story will continue. I can't give away too much because I Wikipedia'd all three of these novels, so I know what happens. No spoilers here on future movies. Well, did you have any thoughts before we rate this movie? Yes, I do. A couple. This is going to be a bit controversial. The, the main actor, the main guy... What's his name? Henry Golding. This is his first movie ever. What? He's a, he's a talk show show host in Malaysia. But this is his first movie. Wow. Ever. This is his debut. I thought he was great. Wow. I thought a little bit. That's a strong start. Yeah, absolutely. I thought Rachel, I thought there were some parts where the acting wasn't great. Mm, yeah. From Rachel Chu. That's just mm-hmm. my, like, as far as a leading lady, I think she, there were some parts where it was like, oh, that line seemed a little funny that you just delivered there. Mm-hmm. Or the yeah. way that you you acted there seemed a little bit much. I thought he was better than her in these roles. There were a couple, a couple scenes, too, like the first proposal when he goes down, like, by the riverside after they fought for a while and he proposes, like, super quick. Mm-hmm. And then the scene just kind of ends you feel a little cheated, like, wait a minute, that he just proposed. Right. It felt just rushed, I think. And um, there was a couple scenes like that when they also, when they make up uh, for the first time after, maybe it's the bachelor and bachelorette parties. Mm-hmm. They they kind of get together and, and make up uh, in the hotel lobby or whatever. Like, that felt a little rushed too. It does feel like there are a lot of things in this movie that were a bit tacked on. I mean, I know because they were in the book that they wanted to include them. For example, Eddie Chang and his family. Um, he was the guy who had his kids with him and they were taking photo shoots. Oh, uh, yeah, that yeah, family yeah. was kind of like, he's part of the family. He's a cousin as well. 
Right. Uh, right. But that was a bit like I liked their dynamic. I thought it was a lot of fun. Yeah. But there just wasn't a whole lot of it. I think the side characters all deserved a little bit more time, maybe other than Picklin. Right. Yes. Agreed. But I just feel like I didn't get much from them. All right. Well, let's rate this movie, Nate. And in the party scene in Nick Young's house, when they meet, who is the uh, the fashionista cousin? Oh, uh, Nico Santos. He says he is the procurer of items for the family. And he says the strangest thing he's procured is like an ancient gong. And they and uh, Rachel asks, why would you need one? And then someone comes in and proceeds to bang the gong. Yes. Say dinner is ready. And so on a scale of zero to five, ancient gong. So what you're saying, you're really cool with our first uh, a lot of Asian actors in it. You're going to go with gong as our top five? Is that what you're going to do here? Listen. <laughs> I feel like there's a, a lot of things that could go the wrong way here, but I feel like the, the, it's a it part the of the movie. plot. It was part of the it was movie. In the movie. It's part sure. of the plot. Anyway, don't write me. Anyway, so from zero to five, ancient gongs. How do you rate this movie, Nate? I give Crazy Rich Asians three and a half. Hmm. Three point seven five gongs. Three big gongs. One little pie plate gong. But it's a full one. <laughs> yeah. I found this movie refreshing in a way that made me kind of yearn to watch romantic comedies yeah. from the the era that we grew up in. Right. It's not uh super gritty, it's not super crude, it you know, like it is an old school romantic comedy. It is a tale as old as time. <laughs> like I said before, it is a movie that applies kind of old tropes but to a new uh culture that uh frankly is drastically underrepresented in right. all movies uh mm. again the reason this movie was they offered the the guy uh John Chu the director to make it on Netflix and he said no I want it made by a major movie movie studio cuz I want to show that these movies can be profitable mm. um so I think this movie, like I give it a lot of credit for breaking a lot of ground for basically being a 90% uh, Asian cast, which yeah. I thought was pretty cool. Um, but I think overall, it's just a feel good movie. Like there's, yeah. it's not complicated. It's just, you walk away from it smiling, going like, all right, fun time. Good rental. Yeah, I agree. You know, I, I want, I almost want to give it for Gong. But there, there are a couple times when it's like, yeah, you know, like that dinner scene with Picklin's family and, and a couple other moments, I'm like, yeah, a four seems just a hair too high. And so I'm going to rate it exactly the same way. Mm, which is the correct rating. Right? <laughs> I really do. I think it is the correct rating. 3.75 gongs. It is a feel good. I would, uh, I would say if you want to watch a romantic comedy, like this is a, a good one. Like it's a good one to watch. It is clean for the most part. You know, there's there's no nudity and and you know sexuality and stuff like that. And so, you know, for that, I was uh, I enjoyed it. Right. I think a lot of romantic comedies moved after sort of the bridesmaid uh, phenomenon. Uh, they sort of moved to a kind of a, a cruder thing that's not as family friendly. I think this yeah. is. Yeah. Uh, I mean, it's still PG thirteen. It's not a PG movie, but especially for like. If I had to choose movies to like uh, see with you know a young teenager or something like this kind of romantic comedy, I think is a lot more 
uh, approachable. Well, our top five today <laughs> is actually a top six. <sighs> or two top threes. Or two top threes, yes. You suggested the top five romantic comedies, which we may or may not have ever done before. We couldn't remember, to be honest. I'll have to look back and, and watch. But the reason this whole this all came up is because I saw the top 100 romantic comedies by box office take. Uh, right. Crazy Rich Asians is number six all time. And it is the the number one movie in the past, number one romantic comedy in the past 10 years. So just uh, real quick before we rate the uh, two top threes, just for your edification, the number one romantic comedy of all time is My Big Fat Greek Wedding. I thought that was a little strange. I found that hard to believe. Yeah, that's. I thought it was kind of a sleeper, kind of cult classic sort of thing. I didn't know it had such uh, success. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I enjoyed it. It's a good movie, but yeah, sure. like no idea it was it was that big. All right. So anyway, so here's here's what I suggest we do now. All right, I'm ready. I think if we have any honorable mentions, we just we we mention those all at once, both male and female actors, and then we take our turns. You do your top three guys. I do my top three guys. And then top three ladies, top three ladies, and we discuss uh, okay. after each one. Wonderful. All right. Well, you, so you rated first. So I will say my honorable mentions in both male and female categories, Matthew McConaughey, hey, 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 mm-hmm. Kevin James, Kevin James, mm-hmm. and Helen Hunt. Mm-hmm. Well, who, what about your honorable mentions? And then we can discuss. I have Ryan Reynolds. Will Smith, (laughs) Jennifer Aniston. Oh, for some reason, I had a mental block that Jennifer Aniston was in romantic comedy movies. I mean, I remember them all now. Now that you said her name, can I put? Can I put some of my? I have a couple least favorites that are a bit controversial. Oh man, I'm afraid they might be on your top three. They probably are. Go ahead. Okay. No, no, I will wait. (laughs) Look, we'll we'll start with honey, and then we'll move to vinegar. <laughs> okay, never heard that analogy, but okay. All right, so let's do um, our top three leading ladies. All right, in romantic comedy movies. So my start at bronze. My top three: bronze, Julia Roberts. My silver, Meg Ryan. Number one, Sandra Bullock. Okay, our top three ladies are so close that i'm just going to list my three and then we can talk about both both of them okay so num i i just switched number three and number one with you bronze (laughs) sandra bullock as number three silver goes to meg ryan and gold for me is julia roberts now wow now let me tell you so we are so close but can i try to convince you why julia roberts is better than sandra bullock yes please i believe Pretty Women, which is number four all-time romantic comedy, is a treasure. Yes. It's a treasure in even with a subject matter that is, when you think about it, preposterous. Runaway Bride, basically the like sequel, outstanding. Again, Runaway Bride, number nine all-time. Then you have Notting Hill, another fantastic movie, number 22 all-time. And I think those three movies could be put against any three romantic comedies as like a set. And I think those three could defeat any in like a Gus Macker three-on-three challenge. What you have just said 
And also, I looked up My Best Friend's Wedding, which was one of my favorite movies growing up. At least, I know my mom mm-hmm. loved that movie, and we, we saw it many times. For some reason, in my mind, I had put Sandra Bullock in that movie instead of Julia Roberts. <laughs> right. And now, upon IMD being the movie, I think I'm going to change my list to match yours exactly. <gasps> wow. This might be a first time. See, people can have dialogue on the internet and really come together by me convincing you (laughs) that you were wrong. (laughs) Okay. Well, those are great lists. Let's do our top three male romantic comedy actors. My number three, Ryan Reynolds. My number two, Will Smith. Number one, Tom Hanks. Hmm. Hmm. We have no overlap. (laughs) No overlap. Whereas the women, we had the exact same three. Those are none of mine. They were in your honorable mentions, though, so I feel correct. Justified. Two of them were yes. Tom Hanks did not make it for me. Really? You've got mail. I think you've got mail and Sleepless in Seattle are overrated. I think Meg Ryan is the star, and Tom Hanks fills in as a just. He's good in those movies, <laughs> but okay, okay. he doesn't do anything for me. Okay, that's fair enough. Fair enough. All right. Well, what's your list? Number three, this is this surprised me when I put him in here. Ashton Kutcher. What? Yep. Yep. (laughs) He is in a lot like Love, which is a I think a sneaky, sneaky good romantic comedy. Mm -hmm. Butterfly effect. (laughs) A great romantic comedy. Great romantic. When you mess up the time stream. Um. He is also in What Happens in Vegas. Um, he is... Well, okay, you didn't put him in this. I've not Ashton seen any Co- of those movies. Okay, that makes sense. Ashton Kutcher is what Adam Sandler dreams about being in romantic comedies. And here is my <laughs> controversial take. I think Adam Sandler is hogwash. <laughs> I also think that his what's his co-star in all those movies drew barrymore drew barrymore is rubbish oh my goodness <laughs> 51st dates nothing nope i mean i own it because my wife brought it into our our marriage <laughs> but i mean click he's <sighs> yeah yeah say them all yeah just go with it happy Gilmore. the wedding singer <laughs> <laughs> wedding singer like people love Man. wedding singer as like they're like, like that's like their number ones for a lot of them i just think adam sandler is just no like all right <laughs> do like a billy madison or uh you know all his happy gilmore stuff that's fine but as is like a uh, i don't know i think 51st dates it has funny parts but for the most part i find the concept annoying so adam sandler to me is one of my least favorite romantic comedy men and i think ashton kutcher does a way better job of being goofy and funny anyway sorry i digress matthew mcconaughey is my number two for how to lose a guy in 10 days alone i think carries carries him almost to the top and then i have hugh grant as my number one oh because it's the notting hill thing it is the notting hill thing but it's also two weeks notice Right. He plays the bumbling, floppish star in a in a, such an approachable way 
that like for example matthew mcconaughey he always has to be the guy who like gets whatever woman he wants but then finds love hugh grant can be like someone who doesn't go on on a lot of dates and finds love and that is i find that uh very very enjoyable he's not like a super like take your shirt off in the movies like my other two he's just <laughs> charming in a in a down-to-earth sort of way that's that's a pretty good defense i'm, I'm with you I, I you're right hugh grant is is pretty great i should probably have put it in my list somewhere and honestly the only romantic comedy i know of will smith is hitch but i feel like it's a strong enough movie <laughs> to, for, to put him in there yes also this movie has mr deeds as a romantic comedy another adam sandler movie that's ridiculous i don't know about that please uh share this list with in the show notes because look at these lists and also tweet us tweet at us what do you i don't know how do you say to the the young millennials what do you say to them slide into our tweets Oof, that's gross (laughs) sir sorry excuse me you slide into dms you you tweet us your your ats at mention your <laughs> share ninety five thesis a tweet onto the door of our cathedral <laughs> comment on Twitter tell us who you think are the best leading men and leading ladies in romantic comedies and tell us where we got it wrong yes we would love to hear at movies on the side everywhere or comment on our newly created movies on the side Facebook page. Send us an email, Instagram us, all the good stuff. I did want to ask you, well, before before we go. Yes, is it if you, I think Katherine Heigl is overrated <laughs> as well? Yes, yes. <laughs> I'm glad I got. I that. got a hard. I got a hard stance on these people. I'm so sorry. I'm sure they're great humans. See the you know what Harry, when Harry met Sally proves that Meg Ryan doesn't it doesn't matter who you put next to her Billy Crystal's the main guy in that <laughs> one. <laughs> That's so true. That is true.